following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Are you ready for a break? Uh, Yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Tuesday, December 1st, 2020, Season 16, Episode number 72 Welcome to the latest edition of The Break, presented by Geico. We appreciate you guys joining us. We've got 45 minutes here to talk some Cowboys football. Uh, we got a lot of different topics we're going to try to hit today. Um, and at some point, at some point, we'll try to get to some questions from you guys. Hopefully, we can hit some questions uh, toward the third segment of the show. So if you want to hit up Amber on Twitter, you can get those questions in. She already has some questions, but I'm sure she'll take some more if you have a really good one. Uh, welcome to the show. Let's, uh, let's get started. Yesterday, we find out the Cowboys game that was supposed to originally be played this Thursday against the Baltimore Ravens was moved again. It had been moved to Monday of next week. Now it's been moved to Tuesday. My question for our panel is, how does this affect this team now getting a really long break between the last game and the game with the Ravens and then having another short week, very, very much like what you would typically have uh, for a Thursday game? heading then into the game with Cincinnati. Let's start with you, Nick. Well, I don't know everything that's that you know is going in that's involved in, in these decisions and I don't envy the NFL for having to do all that, but you know, I um I, you know, it'll it'll affect the Cowboys probably more on the back end. I wish I wish we could understand why they moved the game from Tuesday to Wednesday. Um, I I only can think of one reason and I, and I don't know if that's a good, you know, reason to do it. So I just I don't know I, I you know this th- this is a team that lost their strength coach in the middle of the Thursday Thanksgiving week so they're, they're having to deal with a lot of stuff so how does it affect them I, I mean they'll they get a little bit more time to face a Baltimore team who you have no idea who's going to be out there so I guess that's good but I mean what, what do you how can you really help with this extra time other than just use it as rest Amber. It just sucks when, I mean, obviously no one wants this kind of situation to happen, but I know, I, I know it must suck when, when your schedule is just thrown off. The fact that you have a weekly schedule, a weekly structure that you go by, you know this week you practice, you know this week you look at film and all that, this day and all that. So it, it, it sucks in that way because you can't really fully utilize this time because you don't really know what's going on with Baltimore it's not like oh you can fully prepare for them so in my head I'm hoping that maybe they use this week and divide it into some time spending it for the preparation for the next opponent maybe because the next week it's gonna be a short week for the Cowboys so there's they're gonna have to balance out that kind of preparation and hopefully it because of what's happening in Baltimore and the the uncertainty there maybe you use that time to look at the next opponent in there and prepare for the following week. Dave. It's a really, it's a great point, AG. Just, yeah, I mean, there's only so much you can do with this extra time and teams advance scout anyway. So I would bet they will spend some time on Cincinnati as a result of that. My thing is I just, and I'm with Nick, like I don't envy the people that have to decide this stuff, but I'm, I'm just kind of at a loss for, 
why the NFL seems so reluctant to extend the season. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, at a week 18, like you can build that into the playoffs and still get what you want to do done. It just seems like the links that they're going to to play it on schedule is going to, I mean, it, it's it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, at, you know, all of these late changes, asking teams to play games on four and five days rest, um, I just think it's bizarre, and I, I, I don't understand what the harm would be in just adding a week to the season, but the league seems bound and determined not to do that. And maybe maybe we're not going to see an outbreak on scale with what we're seeing in Baltimore right now, but, like, this – I just – I have a feeling this is going to keep happening. I mean, it's December now. It's – we're in the middle of flu season. COVID cases are going – getting worse and worse. Like, I would just imagine this next month is going to be really dicey, so – I don't envy the league for having to figure all this out, but I'm not convinced they're doing a great job. Yeah, it, it seems a little strange to me just that there are um, there are some teams that ha- are being forced to just deal with their circumstances. I look at Denver last weekend, where they were essentially they were told basically <laughs> play the game without a quarterback, and, uh, and that's what they had to do. And and there seems to be this this decision from the standpoint of the, the Ravens that they keep making allowances for them with their their COVID cases rather than just saying everybody that can't play just can't play figure it out and put a team on the field Um, obviously there's a lot more to it and there's probably some things that are being discussed that are far beyond what we know Uh, but it just seems like everything keeps getting pushed back for the Ravens and uh, we'll see how much that affects the Steelers in their game coming up this Wednesday that's been moved around quite a bit for them and the Steelers have to be a little frustrated because they've this is the second time this year when they faced this kind of situation where the other team had issues, and because of that, it was uh, games had to be moved and adjusted on the uh, on the Steelers' schedule. But all things considered, we all knew going into this season there'd be lots of changes, and they just have to deal with it. I think somebody would probably offer the rebuttal and say Denver's situation didn't involve an ongoing spread, at least not that we knew about. You know, they had their high risk contacts. They didn't have any positive tests, whereas I think Baltimore had nine straight days of positive tests, which is to say they don't even know if they've contained it, so they don't feel comfortable having guys travel or play. I guess I get that, but I I do agree with you. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of consistency. I mean, this all happened with Tennessee back in October. It was very similar, and it, it is interesting, you know, what constitutes – getting the league to make all these accommodations versus saying, oh, sorry, you're just going to have to deal with it. Uh, Like I said, it doesn't seem very consistent. And I would guess we're going to have a few more situations like this before the regular season is over. And God help us if it happens in the playoffs. Yeah, I I just wonder if at some point the the league is is forced to to make teams, especially if they find uh, proof that the teams weren't following the protocols as they should, if they will force teams to forfeit games. That'll be interesting to see. They haven't been willing to do that to this point, but, but that would definitely be interesting if they go that far with this whole thing. Let's change the subject. Let's look a little bit more into internally at the Cowboys. Um, let's, let's start first with the offensive line. We didn't get a chance to talk extensively about them yesterday, um, but obviously they lost both their tackles, both their second-string tackles <laughs> in the game uh, against the Washington football team. And they were left with Brandon Knight and Terrence Steele again. My question for you guys is, is there another option that they have at this point at the tackle position? Or are they forced, 
not that they that haven't haven't been willing to do it in the past, but are they forced at this point to just roll with Brian? I'm sorry, with uh, with Brandon Knight and Terrence Steele? Let's start first with you, Amber. Not that I know of. I mean, these are the guys. You know what? The worst part. I mean, obviously it sucks seeing Zach Martin going down and all that. But then I'm like, oh my god. Here comes Steel back again. Just when we got him out of the field, <laughs> he comes back. And I feel terrible for saying that. I apologize because I know he's trying the best that he can do. But it, it just sucks. It sucks all these injuries. It sucks that you cannot find any kind of consistency there. And as of right now, I mean, maybe Dave and Nick have a better answer here. But... I don't, no one, no name comes to mind right now of someone who would be better at the tackle position at this moment. Dave. I mean, there are other names on the roster. You got Eric Smith, who they claimed off of waivers back in September. You got Greg Sanat, who they poached from Cleveland's practice squad. Um, and then Jordan Mills, who is the veteran guy that we've talked about before. You know, he started a few seasons for Buffalo and Chicago. But like, I'm okay. I, I, at this, like, you know, I, I get we're doing we're doing our due diligence. But are we talking about improvements? I I tend to doubt it. So maybe they want to trot one of those guys out, but I would guess not, based on how firm they've been about Terrence Steele all season. I I would be surprised to see that at this point. Nick. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that they they have any intention of doing that. For some reason, they want to see this through with Steele. Um, you know, I don't know how many times. I mean, he's, you know, he's he's struggled for sure, and he struggled, um, you know, with giving up sacks, penalties, whatever. I mean, Brandon Knight. Um, you know, I think I was telling you this the other day, Derek. You know, Brandon Knight uh, doesn't have one penalty against him this year. I was surprised by that. Um, yeah. Uh, the steel leads the offense in penalties. Doesn't lead the team. I think we know who leads the team in penalties. But he uh, he's the leads the offense. He's got six. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I just it's kind of weird for Brandon Knight, a first time starter, um, and he hasn't played a whole lot. You know, but but I think that you know he's a, he's been a good option for them. Uh, but but yeah, I don't see any other option other, other than Steele and, and Knight right now. Would you guys consider? And I know the Cowboys. I shouldn't say I know. I feel pretty certain that the Cowboys are not going to do this. But you guys consider the possibility that when Tyler Biotish is healthy, uh, that maybe you put him in at center, you put Looney in at guard, and maybe you get a, a look at, at uh, Connor Williams at tackle. I would because I I, th- I I look at next year and I don't and I think Connor McGovern is probably going to be a better guard than Connor Williams. So when I think about all of that for next year, where does Connor Williams go? Uh, I probably would look at look at him as, as being a swing tackle there. So yeah, I would do it, Dave. Okay, I like that. I like that idea. And if if Tyler Biotish comes back, I'm you know Joe Looney is going to play center till he's healthy. But I'd like to think if he can come back this season that they would want to get him some reps and keep you know getting him experience and having him play in games. So um, that's certainly an intriguing option to try a different best five. Yeah, I don't know if you do it right now while uh, while Tyler's hurt, but I would definitely try to give that a try if Tyler can come back. I don't think they will, yeah. but I would, yeah, I'd be interested for sure. Amber. Absolutely. I mean, we've been talking about this for quite a while uh, now, wanting to see Connor at tackle and giving him a try, but 
I'm curious to know, to really know what the co coaching staff thinking is and, and how do they feel because clearly we have not been on the same page as them. We see things differently than they do. So I, I would be really curious to see or know just kind of their thoughts on that and if that's an, a move that they would want to make at some point, even if it's not this specific season, but at some point in the near future. You know, the interesting part about that, Amber, is that we have been on the, a different page from them, but it seems like at some point throughout this year, they always come around to our line of thinking. We saw it happen, <laughs> we saw it happen with Worley. We saw it happen with Poe. We saw it happen with, uh, with, lately with, uh, with, with um, the move of, of, of Zach Martin out to tackle and, and putting Still on the bench. So eventually they come around to thinking like we're thinking, so we must be on to something. Uh, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, I want to talk about this coaching staff, particularly about some of the decision-making that's been happening. Uh, and there's been a lot of criticism for Mike McCarthy, and I, I want to ask you guys about that decision-making and also about what he's done so far as a head coach and as a leader. We'll talk about that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizal for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson Hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Back to the break. Pose with the pros on the go. Presented by AT&T 5G. It's bringing the in-stadium experience to the palm of your hand. You can snap a photo with your favorite Cowboys player anywhere at any time. It's now available within the Dallas Cowboys app under the Stadium tab. Welcome back to the second segment of The Break presented by Geico. We are talking Cowboys. We're talking a, it's a, a show where we're going to talk about a lot of different topics. Uh, we're going to talk about this coaching staff next, and we're going to start with Mike McCarthy. There have been a number of times this, this season when he's made some decisions that have raised eyebrows. And I'm wondering for myself, I'm wondering if a lot of that is because we've just been so used to the Jason Garrett style of coaching, which I don't think anybody would characterize as aggressive. 
and then flipping to another extreme where Mike McCarthy seems to be extremely aggressive. Uh, but I'll ask you guys, are you concerned about the decision-making of Coach McCarthy? Let's start first with you, Nick. Yes, I am. I, 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 nothing he's done so far um, has shown what the things that they hired him for. And, and, and I, when I say shown, I'm talking about what we've seen. Now, behind closed doors, maybe. Maybe it's better. But, but you know, you, you, you've got a 3-8 and eight football team. Obviously, there's been a lot of injuries. But, but there, you know, you have a veteran staff. You're supposed to be able to figure out how to get guys in place and, and try to, you know, help with your depth a little bit. And maybe maybe it's just been too many injuries than, than one team can can take. But you know, from the decision making that he's done within the game, the game management, it, it hasn't worked. You know, it didn't work even in the first game of the season. So um, he got lucky, obviously, with the second uh, game. You know, with the with the onside kick. But you know, I think that was a questionable decision as well. But but nothing that he's done so far, you can really say and go. Wow, you know that's 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 really good. All, only thing that's got going for him is the pedigree and the history of of that he has a Super Bowl trophy. Now, Nick, I'm going to challenge you a little bit here because everybody on this show and everybody who's listening out there knows that you're a flea flicker guy. Like you, like do it every game. Mm-hmm. I want to see them do a flea flicker every single game. Yeah. So tell me the difference. You you're aggressive in that aspect, mm-hmm. but you're concerned about. His aggressiveness, tell me the difference. Well, his aggressiveness, I was really talking more about the fake punts, but but, but his aggressiveness, um, here's the difference. This team isn't good enough to be as aggressive as he wants to be. He wants to, to, to put it on the players. Well, the players aren't good enough right now. This team isn't good enough. So he's taking chances like he did on Thursday in the game when he shouldn't have to. And, 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 and that's not a calculated risk So to try to throw the ball to a punter. So that, I, I, I feel like the flea flicker thing is I want those safeties thinking that Zeke might pitch it back. He might because they do it once a game. Is this the play? No, it isn't. So go up there and make the tackle. But you were a little bit late, and it was an eight-yard run. I want you thinking that way. But I don't know the advantage of always thinking, well, this might be a punt or this might be a fake. So, I mean, it, it, I think there's way too many fakes when you're talking about fake punts. But I just think he's, he's too aggressive for a team that's not good enough to handle it. Yeah, and the point is you're saying you don't think that, that a flea flicker is aggressive. That's just – that should be a part of your offense just to make safeties have to yeah. account for the fact that this could be right. a run, this could be a pass. The problem, though, is – I'm sorry. I'm All right, not, Dave, what do you think? Go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead Nick. No, go ahead. Um, what I was going to say is, is it stems back to when you can't run the football. On that, on that, when, after Jalen's interception, yeah. first and goal at the four, they get stuffed for a two-yard loss. Okay, they tried to run it. Then they tried this fake reverse pass to maybe – uh, Andy Dalton or whatever, but because they know that you, you don't you don't have to worry about the run, they can look for all that kind of stuff. So, and when when the special teams coach runs a fake, I mean every other game, they're looking for that kind of stuff. So they'll give up a, just a you know a non-return and you fair catch it and it's a 45 yard punt, no return. That's fine because they're looking for a fake punt. And that's a little different than a safety that's always looking for a flea flicker, in my opinion. Makes sense, Dave. Are you concerned about Coach McCarthy's aggressiveness? I really, I don't have too much of a problem with what Mike McCarthy has done during games this season. Obviously, we covered it. The fake punt the other day was one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. That 
that is that that's a different category. I I don't like that. But even you go back over the course of the season, the fake punt return, you know, the lateral back to to CJ Goodwin against Pittsburgh, big part of why they were able to keep that game close. Great play. Um, I think they did a fake against Atlanta where CJ just dropped the ball. Like again, probably would have worked. Like these are all decisions where you're like, ah, it it could have worked, but it didn't, and that's football. You know, same thing going for it on fourth down against LA. All the way back in week one. Love it. I love that call. Just didn't work. Um, it, it has also worked a few times. They went for it on fourth down twice against Minnesota. Got them both. Big part of why they won that game. So I love the in-game stuff. I think you could probably dial back the special team's craziness a little bit, but I'm even okay with that. My problem with Mike McCarthy is really Monday to Saturday decision-making to this point, which is kind of funny because I loved what Jason Garrett used to do Monday to Saturday, and I hated what he did on Sunday. I'm, I'm kind of the opposite with Mike. You can't McCarthy. have it all, Dave. You can't, you can't have it all. You can't have it all. I mean, like, the stuff that bothers me about Mike McCarthy is, why did it take your defense seven weeks to look like an NFL defense? Like, why did it look like JV? And you, we can talk about Dontari Poe and Everson Griffin and Daryl Worley all we want. I don't think I buy that that's the difference between – given up 70 yard rushing touchdowns and not like that's that's just unacceptable at the nfl level of football how about the fact that everybody in the world was like anyone but terrence Steele and mike mccarthy was like that's fantasy football nonsense and then like three weeks later he tries zach martin and it works like it's stuff like that that gives me pause where like you know like like you just said in the first segment derek like us four dummies shouldn't be able to sit here and have better ideas than the coaching staff does, but it has felt like that at times this season. Um, but as far as like the aggressiveness on game day, I lean toward liking it for the most part. Like I'll, I'll live and die on that hill. You know, even even you're not going to win all those decisions, but I'll take it if you're aggressively trying to win games. Okay, so as a fun aside, David. If you had to choose between the coach that's great on Monday through Saturday or the coach that still says great on game day, which one are you taking? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, we're one year into this thing with Mike and everything that can go wrong has gone wrong. So I'm not saying Mike McCarthy's going to win a Super Bowl for this team, but like I'll – I'm I'll I'm okay with trying this out and seeing where it goes as opposed to just going back to what didn't work for a decade. All right, so Amber, are you concerned with Mike McCarthy's decision-making? I am. I have very mixed emotions about this whole situation. Obviously, we, we were wanting to see a change. We were wanting someone new in here, someone with a new voice, someone who could be more fun out on the field, who could have more fun when it comes to play calling and have that kind of aggressiveness that we were lacking from Jason Garrett as far as playing uh, conservative football but at the same time even though I have liked certain things that he's done there has been a lot of questionable decisions throughout the season and the thing with me how I see it is you you need to have self-awareness you need to know what your team is doing know what you look like know that okay we're not really accomplishing this and are unable to to make these plays happen so maybe as for right now, just for right now, we kind of take it back a little bit, play it more conservative, more conservative, or I can't even say the word, but you get my point, just not be as aggressive, just so that you can start 
completing plays and being more effective on the field. And, and, and it, it's hard to say because I do like it because it, when you're aggressive, it makes football more fun. But at the same time, it sucks when you're losing games. It sucks when you see a fun play, you put it out on the field, but it wasn't effective. So therefore, next week, you're not scaring anybody because the opponent knows you can't make it happen. So it's just, for me, it's just having a little more self-awareness and again like these other guys said we don't know what happens behind closed doors we don't know how he is in team meetings and any or any of that but we do know what we see on the field and what we see from players and the reality is that it took a really long time for it to start translating to these players and the fact that the whole first season uh, first half of the season we were seeing that lack of emotion that lack of uh What's the word I'm looking for? The, the, the just being competitive. We weren't seeing that. We were, there, this team had no soul throughout the first half <laughs> of the season. So that that that's that's a problem because you need your leader to be able to have a voice and translate at the same time. And you cannot tell me that this is just oh lack of talent of players and blah 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 because at the same time. You got a lot of guys. How many players are there on a football team? There is no possible way that everyone just simply sucks on the field. No, it has to come from the person who's trying to inspire you. So um, I'm sorry, but as of right now, it's just not quite working out. Now, I think that I think those are valid points. Uh, I'm personally not willing to to completely crucify Mike McCarthy yet. Um, as Dave mentioned, there's been Pretty much everything that could go wrong has gone wrong, um, and, and a lot of that stuff is well beyond his control. I would have expected with an experienced coach like this that he could have made up that difference and they wouldn't have been as bad as they've been, particularly on defense throughout the year, uh, even with all the challenges that they've had. But I'm not willing to completely crucify him on that. I think we, we, we give him a little bit of a mulligan because this was such a weird year. And, uh, and I want to see what happens in the future. What I do know, or at least what I think I know at this point, is he's not a coach that necessarily knows how to coach his team through adversity well. Uh, and that's something that we did always say about Jason Garrett. In, in adverse situations, it seemed like he had an ability to get his team to play above their heads. And, uh, and the problem that we had with, with Coach Garrett was when then they were in the front, they seemed to play down sometimes. So However you want to mince it, I'm not willing to completely crucify him yet. I think we got to still uh, figure out over the next couple years really what we think of this coach and what he's able to do here. Let's move on to the special teams, though. I want to talk about John Fossil. And a lot of these decisions that have been made have revolved around the special teams. Uh, my first question for you guys is, do you think he has the latitude to be able to just make decisions on what he wants to do on special teams without the head coach's input? Um, because we, I know we saw a, uh, Nick, I don't know, I think it was you that sent the clip of, of his last game with the Rams, and it was a play where they did, uh, they ran a fake on a, on a special teams on a punt, and the, the head coach, you could tell he was, seemed very aggravated, as though he didn't know what was really going on, and the special teams coordinator just decided that's what he was going to do, and it made me think, number one, was that the reason that maybe the Rams moved on from Fossil? And number two, does he have the same kind of latitude here where he's making decisions and they don't necessarily match up with what's going on in the game? Let's start first with you, Dave. I mean, 
I think there's there's no way to know the mechanism of that, like publicly, basically. Like that's I mean that's the essence of coaches. You like you're going to protect that that process, and if it does come out, it probably means you're heading for like a messy divorce. Like those sorts of details start to come out when you're looking for justification for firing a guy or moving on or whatever. So I don't know if he's got that latitude. It wouldn't surprise me based on his expertise and the the amount of times they do it. But again, that's what I feel for a head coach in a situation like that. Maybe McCarthy thought that that was a great call. Maybe he actually hated it, but he's got to go defend it because you're opening a can of worms if you don't. Like it ain't, it ain't worth it to throw your special teams coordinator under the bus like that unless you're trying to move on from him. Um, I will say just with John Fossil, I – and it, it came into crystal clarity after this fiasco on Thursday is it's great to be aggressive, but if you're so aggressive that teams change the way they play you because of your reputation, that's not great. Like, I, don't, I don't know if that's great for everybody to be like, well, we got John Fossil on the schedule. We better be on our P's and Q's. Like, like how we don't talk about that with like 99% of teams, but I remember last year, when they played the Rams in December, we talked about that leading up to the game. We were like, you got to be careful with Fossil. Hecker and Zerline, like, they're going to do something wild. And I don't know if that's great when people know that right off the bat. Nick, what are your thoughts? What was the question again? I'm sorry. What, what are you asking specifically? The question, the, the question is, do you think Fossil has the latitude yes. to be able to make these calls? And, his own? and if so, do you think that's the right decision? No. To yes. give him that latitude? Yes, no. I think I think he does have that latitude. I think he's he's he always. I think I don't think he sleeps at night. I think he thinks about fake double punt reverses and stuff like that. And I think he comes in the next morning <laughs> about four a.m. and busts what about in. dreaming about them? He might. He might. He busts into McCarthy's office and be like, "What do you think about this?" You know. And and I think the whole game he's probably trying to he's in his ear trying to convince him to do that. That's what I really believe. I don't think like he he's makes the call, but I think he's talking about it throughout the game and trying to do that. Um, you know, and and I think it's just too much. I mean, like I said, if if if, and I we've been told this punt returners. You know, like like you 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 have a different plan when you're playing against him because and, and what are you giving up? Okay, so we're not going to return it this this time. Just tell CD fair catch it because we're not going to return this because we, we want to play the Gunners a little bit differently. That's that's all you're giving up really, and just make sure you don't give up fake punts because you're always watching for it. So yeah, I do think that. I think he has probably a little bit more leeway than than he should because, I mean, they've run two in one game before. They've run three this year, and it hasn't worked. I mean, I think he's run four trick plays maybe. Um, nah, you can you can say they probably run seven trick plays this year, and they've gotten two of them. Is an onside kick count as a trick play? Which two? Oh, they got the yeah, watermelon yeah. kick, sure. and then they got the the, the Steelers, and then the kick return. Punt return, yeah. throwback. The three fake punts they haven't got. The, the 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 drop kick against Philadelphia. I mean that almost worked, but it didn't. You know, I mean that almost worked, and that's all I can really think of. Oh, Cleveland, they tried a couple of weird looking plays there. So, um, you know, they did one where the, and they like snapped it to Darian Thompson too, didn't they? Yeah, like, that was I that, mean, that was the. It's basically. Yeah. It's basically been a weekly thing. Yep. And I that's the that problem, the, I guess. Yeah. I ahead, wish Amber. there would have been a camera on McCarthy's face 
so we would have seen a reaction and how he really felt about that decision. But, you know, I, I feel bad for Fossil. I mean, I think he has great intentions and I think he, he really works hard and he really wants his whole special teams group to be able to make game-changing plays. But the thing is, you again, I go back to the whole self-awareness thing. Like, you need to know when you need to take a, a step back. And, and to me, uh, I see him, I'm not trying to call him like a nerd or anything, but I see him as a nerdy guy who's like really invested on his playbook and just out there just trying to come up with creative plays and, and everything. But at the same time, it you got to make it happen on the field. And I think he can get better at this. If, next year, I, I expect special teams to be better than what we've seen so far with more time with to prepare and all that but that's that's an easy fix I think when it comes to a play call I mean you make the decision and you just you just got to be more aware of, of what's going on on the field and more aware of your players and knowing that okay I love the guys and I think they can get there and I think they can make it happen but I got to be real and understand that th this is maybe not the year where we try those kinds of things. Unless you, you're not trying to win the game and you want to risk it, then that's fine. Be, be playful and let, go for it. Let, let, let's also point out on that, that play with Fossil against the, it was against the uh, Cardinals last year with the Rams. That was his last game with the Rams. It was the last game of the season after they had lost to the Cowboys and they were out of the playoffs. So it was week 17. They were just playing it to play. So... You know, but still, I mean, the head coach didn't didn't appreciate it. Um, Why did he get so mad then? I mean, because it was when fourth. Why did McVeigh get so mad? Fourth and eight on their own twenty-four. Uh, but but that that shows to me that <laughs> sounds familiar. Yeah, but that shows to me that that he was making the call. I mean, I mean, he just he yeah. went ahead and ran it anyways. That's on that's on McVeigh, just like yeah. it's on McCarthy if he didn't have control over it. Yeah, the way I look at this is there's good news and there's bad news. The good news is there really is a third phase to the game. There's the offense, there's the defense, and there's the special teams. And I think Fossil takes it very seriously to figure out ways that special teams can affect the outcome of the game. The bad news is it doesn't seem like they always are all coordinated. The offense working with the defense, working with the special teams in order to do what's best for the team. And that's where I have a problem here. And whether it's Fossil who's making the decision or whether it's McCarthy who's making the decision, I think that last game and that decision to go for that, uh, that, that fake punt in that situation on fourth down when you're backed up and you're still in the ball game, to me was a panic and it didn't work. It didn't coordinate with what you were doing on defense. Your defense was, in my opinion, playing above their heads. Why put them in a situation where they, as they did on the very next play, they give up a 23-yard touchdown and then the game gets out of hand. So I just, I, I like the idea of it being a real, it truly being a third phase of the game. What I don't like is that it doesn't seem like it's always well-coordinated with the yeah. other parts uh, or other phases of the game. Dave, what are the three did phases? You have yeah, Dave, what are the three phases of the game? Offense, defense, and special teams. Right, right. And I could say the same thing and everybody would say the exact same order. It's always offense, defense, special teams. I don't know if the coach ever – I don't know if, if Fossil actually – he probably doesn't say that. He probably says special teams, defense, offense. But th th there's a reason why that's the order because that's always the priority. I don't know if, if – I mean, because that's, yeah. that's true. That's just the way that it is. And so he goes – That's a great mentality. That's a great mentality. 
that's but, just, but that's work. the way that I know. But I don't think he, Fossil thinks that way. He even said in his very first interview that we are a big part of the game. But you know, it's that's not the way head coaches feel. If they felt that way, they'd put their starters on there. They they, they don't. It's the third phase. It, it can't mess up though. Um, and and we've seen you know we've seen them mess up. But I mean, they've made some plays. They've made some plays. I mean, Rico, uh, you know, Daddle made a really nice play. I mean, they didn't lead to points, but it definitely could have. It's not their fault. I mean, they, they've made some plays this year, but for both teams. All right, we're going to take our final break. <laughs> we're going to take our final break. When we come back, we're going to get some fan questions. Uh, Amber has some lined up. We'll be right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. There's nothing as unique as our eyes. Which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. The Cowboys way where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like, where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day, where we are all defined by one single thing, the star, where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Back to the break. Santa is back at the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys Cottage at the Star in Frisco. Appointments are available now to take your socially distanced holiday photo with Santa through December 24th. Save $5 when you book by December the 4th. Book now at thestarinfrisco.com slash Santa. Any chance this is going to be the year when we go and actually do our show picture with Santa? No. Not happening? Socially distanced. Can we wait until the global... Yeah, socially distanced Santa picture? Yeah. I don't, know. I don't know, man. You just were looking forward to being on his lap. You just want to wait till you can do that? Is that the idea? At the very least, wait until I don't have to wear a mask to do it. Yeah, maybe. Okay. I don't know. All right, so we'll wait till next year. I Welcome back to the final segment is, of the break presented by Geico. What do you have, Nick? Is, is Santa really going to take pictures with a mask? That's going to... Never mind. That just yeah, weird. it's going to be a... Oh. It's going to be a socially distanced... I don't know how they're going to do it. It's interesting. We'll see. I'm, Amber, let us know how it goes when you get over there. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, anyway, 
You guys are the ones with kids. Nick has babies, and well, you, Derek, you have grown-ups, kids. Now. Yeah, I don't have babies. I don't have babies anymore, so we're not doing Santa anymore. We're done. We're done with that. We're through with that. All right, Amber, let's get to some questions. What you got over there? Well, when we came back from break, I was trying to ask you. Were we going to talk about the defense? We haven't really talked about the defense. No, I, I had it on the rundown, but I decided that we're going to go with questions because I promised we would go with questions, and we only have like six minutes left. And we're going to talk about defense tomorrow when we talk about the Baltimore offense versus the Cowboys defense. I'll save those oh, questions. I stand tomorrow. corrected then. Got I guess, it. I guess it's not always offense, defense, special teams. On Derek's rundown, it was offense, special teams, defense. There you go. And defense. Good job, Derek. When your defense is when your defense is like the Cowboys right now, we'll spend a little less time on that. <laughs> well, okay. Sorry to to ruin your your little rundown. Um, yesterday we talked about <laughs> we talked about the old line, um, and and I did receive some questions about how how hard is it really going to be for next year for the Cowboys to replace or you know, better the O-line. We know that Lyle and Tyron Smith are coming back and all that, but as far as depth and, and other positions of needs, how hard is it going to be for the Cowboys to solidify that position group once again? They need a, they need a swing tackle. They need a competent, ex, maybe not even experience, they need a competent, talented swing tackle, whether that, preferably a draft pick, because as we've said, Offensive tackles are expensive. Like, you're not going to sign a guy who's that good uh, for cheap. It just doesn't happen. Um, so, I mean, I would I would say you need to spend a top 100 draft pick on an offensive tackle, whether that's first, second, third round, whatever. But honestly, other than that, I'm not super worried about it. I don't like – and I feel like I'm the offensive line apologist, but – if we assume, and we got to keep an eye on it, we don't know that for sure, but if we assume Tyron and Lyell can come back healthy, you've still got both of the Connors, you've still got Tyler Biotish, maybe you re-sign Joe Looney, I think his deal is up, but that's not a terribly expensive contract. Um, and then you've got all these young guys, like I feel really good about Brandon Knight as like a, a fourth tackle slash guard, you know, like I think... There's a lot of intriguing depth pieces already here. The problem is that they're having to start right now. But hopefully next year that won't be the case. Hey, real quick, I want to I want to ask this question, and any one of you guys can jump in on it. Are we certain that Brian? I'm I keep calling him Brian Knight, uh, Brandon Knight. Are we sure that Brandon Knight is not good enough to be a competent swing tackle? Remember, this is the first real action that he's getting consistently week after week. And quite frankly, I think he's had some bad games, but I also think there have been some games where he's been pretty good, relatively speaking. Are we sure that he's not, with more experience, that he's not the guy you're looking for to be your swing tackle? Well, I mean, you make a good point because by the time next year, he's going to be a third-year pro with, you know, I don't know, seven or eight starts and and probably starts on both sides of the ball. So, yeah, he's got experience in in both, and and he's shown the ability to go in there and and be ready, which is what you need for a swing tackle. Um, But, you know, that just seems kind of reckless to me, but knowing that Lyell and Tyron's injury, it just seems to say, well, we we got Brandon Knight. I mean, I think fourth tackle for him would be good. I think he should be the fourth tackle. I think they need to draft someone. Uh, you know, they need to try again and draft a Chaz Green. I know that that's not I mean that's what they did. They tried a third round 
from you know a big school. He's played tackle. He was a good co- college player. It didn't work, obviously, but they need to do something like that. A tackle who can maybe play guard right away, but could be a tackle for a while. Um, you know, just maybe one day re- replace one of these two tackles. Hi. Okay. That's it. I I completely <laughs> I completely agree. We, I'll, I'll just say, and I want to do another question, but Brandon Knight. I've been saying since June, Brandon Knight is who they want Terrence Steele to be. I mm-hmm. I think he's had he's had some bad moments, but for the most part, I think he's been very capable, very solid. I don't think it would be it would be reckless to go into next year with him as your only option behind the starting two. But I feel very good about him being a piece here for sure. I think. For the most part, he has been impressive for an undrafted guy. I'm, I'd be happy to keep him around. Yeah. Just, but you know, I think they need to do more though. That's exactly why I say, Dave, that I would, I would, I think I might be okay with him being the swing tackle because I feel like it, it, there still would be a problem if you lose both tackles next year. But I feel like if you had Tyron or if you had Lyle and Brian and Brandon Knight had to be on the other side. I actually feel like he'd probably be okay. If the rest of your offensive line is intact, I feel like he'd probably be okay. And, and so that's where I'm like, I, and that's what you need from a swing tackle. You need him to be cheap, and you need him to be okay. And I think that's kind of what Brandon Knight is. And let's not forget what the, the swing s- tackle might be Zach Martin. That might be your swing tackle hmm. from what he did True. this year. True. I mean, so it, it, it didn't. It just comes back to your five best linemen. You know, I mean, do you have better backups at guard yeah. or, or or do you have them at, at tackle? And I'm not sure that Brandon Knight and and again, Derek, we could talk to his parents about changing his name, but it is Brandon. If we could, we could. I think I'm going to call him. Okay, call call him and see. But I think he could be a guard. I mean, he looks like like the yeah. body type for maybe a, a guard. But either way, I think he's a good young prospect. I just don't think you can give this offensive line the benefit of the doubt. Like if these were if these were freak occurrences, that would be one thing. But this is the fifth year in a row that Tyron has dealt with injuries that have forced him to miss multiple games. It's actually people forget about it, and it's not fair because they're not the same. But this is the second time Lyell has basically missed the whole season. He was on IR for the almost the entirety of 2016 with a toe ligament problem. So. And again, that's not his fault. I'm not dogging him or calling him injury prone, but you just you just can't assume that these guys are going to be okay. You got to do more, in my opinion. No, and I, I agree with that. I, I think the issue becomes you only got so much draft capital, and uh, and and where does this fit in your in your list of priorities of, for this team when you get to the draft? Where does a swing tackle fall in that? And I don't know that it falls high enough for you to get somebody more capable than Brandon Knight. So, well, we'll see. We'll have that conversation a little later. I think that's a conversation worth having. Well, just just know this, though. Are you going to say something? Yeah, they, one more thing. You know, they, they've gotten their ass kicked twice against Washington. Okay, Washington's not a good football team. They're not. They're 4-7. and seven. They're not good at all. But their defense is strong, and yes. it plays right into the weakness of the Cowboys this year. They better fix that, because those guys aren't going anywhere, yep. and that's two matchups every single year. So, you can say, yeah, defense needs to be better, but that offensive line was a problem and they're going to go up against Washington twice a year. You know Philly's probably going to have a better defensive line uh, as well, and you know we'll see about the Giants. So I think it's more of a priority than you think because they've lost two football games this year because of it. I think that's definitely a conversation worth having at a future time. All right, we appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to get into the Baltimore offense versus the Cowboys defense. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I am Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break live on DallasCowboys.com.
Radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?